0: Thank you. Welcome to the latest ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. I'm Seb Lozier and as the world's leading players prepare for the two ATP 500s in Beijing and Tokyo en route to the 8th Masters 1000 of the year in Shanghai, this week we are all about tennis in Asia. We'll hear from Korea's world number 23, Hyun Chung, and China's rising star, 18-year-old Yibing Wu. We venture down the tram lines onto the doubles court with Isam Qureshi and Rohan Bopana. And we have a coaching masterclass, but we start right at the top of Asian men's tennis with one of Japan's biggest superstars, of course, Kei Nishikori. I spoke with his coach, Dante Bottini, and one of the journalists whose job it is to report seemingly on his every move, that's Kenshi Fukuhara. But let's start with the man himself.
1: Nishikori, deep to the backhand of Djokovic, who gets that back, now backhand, clean winner from Nishikori,
0: is one of the shots of the match.
2: I'm very happy that I'm back in shape again and playing good tennis again, and I know it's never easy after coming back injury.
0: Kei Nishikori struggled with injury at the end
2: of 2017. A
0: tough blow for the man from Japan, but with his fighting spirit, the start of 2018 saw him begin to move forward stronger.
2: I chose to play, you know, two U.S. Uh, challenges, and that was really close from my home. So, I um, able to play two challenges and get some confidence, one-on-one Challenger um, in uh, Daras. Okay. The so has a challenger Championship. I think it was a good move. It gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah, I think able to play a couple matches uh, before playing uh, 250, ATP, to a level, I think it was a good move for me. I kind of knew it's gonna come back, and um, I had a old little pain that you know it wasn't the same pain that I had last year. So you know I took almost two months without tennis and without moving. So I knew you know it was helping.
0: Backhand from Nishikori. Oh, exceptional!
3: From Nishikori, big backhand down the line, winner.
2: I wasn't expected to go in final yet playing Masters. Suddenly playing, you know, a couple of matches against uh, top players, uh, Beldic and Dimi, you know, Sasha, Cilic. Yeah, that was a game, you know, good momentum uh, going, you know, to beat top ten players. That was one of the special moments for me after coming back from injury. I got to take care uh, every day, but I hope I can do well this year. I'm happy to be back uh, this stage again, and my goal is to, to get top 10 as soon as possible.
0: I am here in the very comfortable but very small, bijou, I think we say, uh, players' lounge with uh, Dante Bottini, long-time coach of Kenishikori. have seen him out in the practice courts. I mean, he certainly does put the practice in, doesn't he? He's a hard
4: worker yes yes, he's obviously uh you know we miss uh, almost like six months last year you know for his injury so we gotta you know obviously we gotta work hard to to come back and to and to level all these guys you know that they've been playing great uh, there are some new guys also on the tour so you know you gotta put the work otherwise uh, you're not gonna you're not, you're not gonna finish the line you know
0: Yeah, I was going to say I mean in many ways it's easier because the big four aren't all there but actually there are so many new players who've burst onto the scene while he's been away you know you can talk about Borna and his resurgence you can talk about obviously Sasha it must make it difficult that he's now got so many different new players to, th- to think about
4: yes yes no of course you have all the old players you could you could tell that they still playing amazing and then you have all these new players that they, they come back you know and they they bring you all these new games, so obviously, you know, you got to be prepared for for everything. And um, I think, Kay, you know, Kay is happy to be back. Uh, obviously, you know, he's uh, he still needs uh, more matches, you know, more competition, you know, to be at the at the level that, that we wanted. But, uh, you know, I'm very happy with his performance. As a former world number four, he's really doing it the hard way. He went right
0: back to play challengers. Wh- whose decision choice was that? Was it his or was it a team decision?
4: Yeah, that was a team decision, you know, because, I mean, uh, knowing Kay, you know, obviously been after a, a while of uh, playing tournaments, like six months, you know, five, six months. Um, he wasn't 100% already, you know, would say, to... to you know, on the to be back, you know, he still was uh, having some issues on the, you know, some pain or whatever you can call it, you know, on the wrist. So obviously, um, I thought, that, um, and it was, the, it was actually a timing also, you know, because he wasn't ready to play the Australian Open because it's five sets, you know, and, and he wasn't quite ready. So then, I thought that you know he was ready to play at that time, and there, there was any other tournament. So you, you we had those challengers. So I said, yeah, let's enter to those challenges. Why not? You know, I mean, who cares? How, how does he do it? You know, I know that the press is going to be talking like crazy and, and everybody is going to be talking, you know, and being surprised. But uh, we didn't care. We just, obviously, you know, the team, you know, we talked to Kay and said, listen, that's what we want for you on these matches, on these tournaments, you know, not high expectations. As you can tell, he lost in the first round on the first one and then he won the second one. But uh, we didn't care, you know, we just wanted the, for him to, to have matches and to be and to be in those situations again. And now for Kay, is it, I mean, physically,
0: is he 100% okay, or is it mentally almost having the confidence in his body to go out there and trust that it's okay?
4: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a bit of both, you know. Uh, um, I don't know, you know, he, he's, he's looking good. He's, he's healthy out there, you know. Obviously, he may have some discomfort some, uh, on some of the shots sometimes, but uh, I think that's normal, you know, after being a while... Uh, uh, especially in a wrist injury, but uh, but no, he's 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 looking good there. You know, um, uh, these these matches are very good for his confidence. Obviously, you know, uh, to start building it up, and then uh, you know, I think uh, he's on the right
0: track. And you, you've taken him from 98, I think, in the world to four. You, you you joined him in 2010. I guess the obvious question is, can you do it again, knowing what kind of
4: player you've got on your hands? Yeah, I mean, that, that's why we work so hard all the time, you know, and, and I mean, I totally believe on my player, you know, he's, he's still 28 years old, I think uh, he still has some of the best years of his career, and I think he knows that too, so, you know, I think he, yeah, totally, I totally believe that he can be uh, four, number four again, or even better, you know, but, uh, well, I time, time would say that.
0: And you work alongside Michael Chang, for, for part of the season at least, um, do you enjoy that?
4: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we. I think we have a, a great team. You know, with Michael joined us uh, three, four years ago, um, he's not. You know, he's he does twenty around twenty weeks a year. You know, with us, but uh, but I think we have a great team. Um, you know, Michael and I we communicate a lot, and we uh, we get along very well. Otherwise, uh, this wouldn't work, obviously. Yeah. And uh, you know, we respect each other. Uh, we are both coaches, so we both have a say. on you K, know, okay, but al- always we try to. To talk and to have only, you know, one message. to Okay, so he doesn't obviously get crazy out there. But um, no, no, I, I really enjoy it I like it. You know, uh, I learn a lot from him. You know, obviously, uh, great guy, great, great coach. So we have a great team. Actually, the the the, the physio, the trainer, the agent, uh, it's a good chemistry. So so, I think uh, you know, everybody is very happy in the team. And when both of you are in the same
0: place, um, is there a division of labour, a clear, defined, you know, do you do certain things and Michael does certain things? Or how does it work?
4: No, no, we no, we both do pretty much the same, you know. Uh, obviously, when Michael is with us, uh, I let him uh, probably not do a little more, but maybe take the leader a little bit because, you know, otherwise, you know, W- w- Ways in the team, no. <laughs> so uh, uh, and and plus, you know, sometimes he's. I think he's away for like a month or a month and a half, and then he comes back and he comes with a lot of energy, which is is, is very good, you know, obviously. And and uh, but I uh, you know we both uh, obviously talk a lot, you know, what we want to do in practice, what we want to accomplish, and then we put it uh, we put it to work. Obviously, it's a long project from here, I guess. But what are the goals for for this year for K? I think the main goal is to, 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 to play, f- uh, you know, pif- uh, pain-free. Uh, for me, you know, that's, that's the main goal, you know. Uh, it, just to be able to go there and, and, and play with no problems, you know. And obviously then the goals are still the same. Trying to, you know, trying to win a Grand Slam, trying to win a, a Master Series, you know. Getting to the Masters, you know, obviously... You know, this year is gonna be a little harder. But uh, without playing the, the Australian Open and missing some some important tournaments like Indian Wells, he was sick there. But uh, yeah, the, the 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 main goal I think is uh, for him to to have no issues, you know, on on his body, like uh, and to recover 100% on on the injury that he had in the wrist. And and then, you know, listen, if he put the work and, I, and he and if he's healthy, I think. Uh, he can accomplish uh, great things. I'm always fascinated to talk with the Japanese
0: media um, because of the incredible, passionate following that surrounds Kei Nishikori wherever he goes in the world. And uh, this time, I'm talking with Kenshi Fukuhara uh, from Wow Wow. Uh, broadcaster and Ken, Kenshi, you'll you, be speaking with uh, with K in his in his mother tongue. So you, you get to you get to know far more about him than, than we do. He's a bit more guarded with the uh, with the English speaking media. But uh, how is he? And most importantly, given what's happened over the last few years, what is he saying about his body?
5: Um, well, you know, he was known to be fragile, and he knows about it. But uh, you know, now he has a two trainers, right, physio and trainer. All the, all the time, he's building his body. So well, ever since Michael joined and then two trainers joined, um, he hadn't had the big injury except the last year was a, was a big one. But since then, his wrist is okay. Mm. And except that, there's no, no major injuries now. So he's, he's injury free finally now.
0: Where do you think he is out of 10? Uh, how do you mark him compared to where he was before when he was really up in the top five in the world?
5: Yeah, if you say when he was the final at the US Open 2014, if you say that 100% of 10, I would say 7 or 8. Well, tennis wise, it's good, and he's still young, and physical wise, good. I guess just mental wise, you know, he's got, well, I think he has pressure now, because being a top of the Japanese, you know, tennis star. So he, he always has to feel like he has to do well. So if he just get rid of all the pressure and, he, you know, plays free, I mean, my free mind. I think he can do much better, but I would say maybe seven, eight.
0: He's, as you say, a former runner-up at the U.S. Open, uh, not long ago, actually. Um, and I put it to here, to Michael Chang, in Monte Carlo, that hard court was therefore his best surface. He actually came back to me and said he didn't think it was, and he thinks clay is his best surface. What do you, what do you think? What, what do you feel his best surface is?
5: I can partially agree to clay. He does always. Better and good, you know, result in clay because his play style too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say both, but the hardcore court. We, he's, he's grown up, you know, he, he's grown in in uh, Bradenton, Florida, on the hardcore. So he played hard court the whole life. So I think hardcore is still the best surface, and the, he loves New York. So I I would say uh, people ask me, I would say which glance he get a you know best chance to get it, and I would say U.S. first, and then maybe French second.
0: And do you think he's now based in the US for the long haul? I, I was fascinated to hear in Rome a journalist, a fellow Japanese journalist, saying that he, he really it's difficult for him to go back to Japan because he has to wear disguises, he has to wear hats, he can't go out in public, you know, whereas in Bradenton he can do all of that.
5: That's very true, yeah. He only comes home maybe a couple times a year in Japan, but only a short period of time. Like you said, yeah, he has to wear some disguise. Yeah, because everybody, everybody, not even the tennis industry or even sports, all the kids from kids to the old people, they, they know and they love K. So it's hard. But it's one thing that's good about it. If he's based in Japan and if he, he's, you know, playing out of Japan or the tour, he, you know, so much noise, so much attention, he doesn't concentrate on tennis that's the good thing about his base in the U.S. Is he, is he is free from all that noise so then he can you know focus on the tennis. So I, I think it's better, better for him.
0: If Nishikori has been leading the way in Asia for the past decade, others are now looking to take over the mantle. At just 20, Naomi Osaka is already a Grand Slam champion. And this year, Hyun Chung has added a Grand Slam semi-final to his next-gen victory last November.
3: It's everything going in the South Koreans... Favor turned professional Jung Chung in 2014. Chung hits a big deep forehand. Another forehand from Chung. Oh my word on flight. Short ball Chung. Wow. Wow. And wow again from Chung. Three fabulous forehands from South Korea.
0: Chung, one of the futures of the sport. Chung is the champion. The Korean becomes the first-ever winner of the next-gen ATP Finals.
3: Well, I think Chung is is really ready for a big push. He's a player tipped for greatness. South Korea's Hyun Chung, the first-ever winner of the next-gen ATP Finals. Known for his distinctive glasses, they call him the professor. Back home,
6: he's a star. Yeah, I like to be in Seoul because here is many good restaurants and many people live in Seoul. I have many friends in Seoul, so I like to be in Seoul all the time. I just moved new house like a few days ago. I I love New House. Feel new, new, always good. That's why.
3: Hard work has led to impressive results, including a semi-final appearance at this year's Australian Open.
6: I have really good many memories because I make first time like around sixteen in slams, first time quarters, first time semis and I I beat great players all, all the matches. I played Novak, Sasha, Roger, so I have every good memories. When I beat Novak in Korean like Every newspaper is my face in everywhere. Before the Milan start tournament, I really don't know I'm gonna win the tournament. But I've, after win the tournament, like I have more confidence, and that's why I, I can start good feeling this year.
3: 2018 has already been a big year for Hyun Chung. and essential to the Korean's development are his new coach and physio team, Neville Godwin and Alessio
6: Cechicelli. They make me happy on core off court anytime. So that's why I think I play good. With the new team I really have a great dinner and great time on court. So I think I have a really good team. I don't know their culture but I'm learning from them. They're trying to learn Korean culture, so I'm really happy. The physio always using chopstick when he takes salad, fruit, all the time he used, trying to chopstick. So he's getting better and better all the time. Yeah, really good.
3: The trips back home offer precious time for Hyun to relax with his biggest fans, mum and dad. We always had little time and I'm very happy that we are able to come to a Korean restaurant like this one that fits Korean custom while he is
6: here. I miss it sometimes, so when I'm on tour, I go out in search of Korean food, and I believe I eat it about once a week.
7: Even when he was in Korea, during his junior days, we were apart a lot during the tournaments. Now when Hyun is here, I can feel it is a little different, even since last year. People recognize Hyun and ask to take pictures. I've not gotten used to that yet, so it feels a bit strange. But it's okay, because I think that Hyung and I, our family, is going through something special. Also, our oldest son is doing his military service, and it really doesn't feel like he is away in the army. It just feels like he went away for a tournament somewhere, so it feels like an everyday routine for me.
6: I started tennis when I was around seven. Back then, I was just looking to make friends and have fun.
7: He was very stubborn as a child, that's to say he didn't just pick whatever. He made precise choices and had strong ideas of his own. Our house was small, so in the living room, Hyung and his brother would role play Federer and Nadal as they watched their matches on TV. But there were things that could break in the house if you swing rackets. Korean junior players of those days would swing fly swats like toys. We ended up buying a lot of fly swaps. Jung waits, blue
3: top. The glasses on that he wears. just adjust the glasses.
6: I was told when I was young that my eyes were not developed. So it was suggested that playing sports was better for me than looking at small letters with bad eyesight, so that's how I came to play sports. I like the image of glasses as it's a unique image that appeals to the fans.
7: I think it fits in perfectly.
3: To ensure optimum performance, Hyun has regular eye tests. But the man behind the glasses has become something of a fashion icon back home.
6: They call him Professor. Yeah. Fix for me my size. That one is my favorite. And it just looks cool. <laughs> my eyes really important for me. I have to play with the glasses. My eyes is really bad. I can't see, but I can play tennis without glasses.
3: In the spotlight, Hyun is now a celebrity in his hometown of Suwon. So much so, the superstar in the making was invited to a special derby day
6: match in the K-League. We are in Suwon World Cup Stadium for their support team for some home team, so I'm really happy to be here. Speech and some sign balls to the four fans i think it's the first time in my life i'm really excited and thank you for great opportunity to have uh, this experience many fans for on the blue shirt all the swan fans i have to support a lot i'm not really good in football but i'm just like to watch football
3: the hugely talented hyun chong a korean faithful to his roots whilst continuing to scale the heights of the tennis world.
6: really thank all the fans in Korea because they're supporting all the time. Everything is stronger than last last few years. Mentally strong, body strong. Everything is getting better all the time.
0: Gabriel Clark and ATP World Tour Uncovered with that feature and Chung was also the starting point of discussion when Matt Brown spoke with Robert Davis, who's coached at Isam Qureshi and technical director for tennis in
8: Singapore. He's one of my favorites. I've, I've, I've seen him come through the juniors. We call him the professor. You know, he sort of looks like that with the glasses, but he's an incredibly smart player. He sees the game very well. He, he plays tennis like people play chess. He's able to to work at two or three moves in advance. He's had a little bit tough luck with injuries. You know, he's a tall kid. He's, he's very gifted physically, but Heung Chung's biggest weapon is between his ears, his head. He is a very good head for tennis.
1: And so when you look at his game at the moment, the weaknesses?
8: Well, you'd, I guess some people would look at his ability to finish the point uh, inside right around the service line going forward. He's got very good ground strokes off the baseline. He gets the mid-court ball. But then finishing the point would be, would be where he can improve. And, you know, his, he's got a little bit of an unorthodox forehand. But you know what? The ball goes in, and it goes fast.
1: Ducky Lee is a fascinating story, isn't yeah. he? Uh, profoundly deaf. It's quite remarkable to think that you could play a sport like den- uh, tennis to such a high standard uh, being deaf.
8: Yes, Ducky Lee, we've seen him come up through the juniors and when he made his jump on the challenges. Uh, what he, you know, he lost his hearing. But he was given a little bit of a – he has a very good ability to anticipate. Very hard to hit a winner against Ducky Lee. He reads uh, his opponent's pass. He reads where they're hitting. So he anticipates quite well. Where Ducky Lee would need to, to improve, it's no secret, is the serve. And then, of course, doubles would help him. He needs to work on the volley. His volley is the weakness, and the serve is the weakness. One guy you know quite well is Yuichi Sagita. Yuichi, I, I do know him. His coach, Brian Inaros, has done a, a, an excellent job. And Yuichi's mentored by Bob Brett, who had another Japanese player uh, quite successful with uh, Shuzo Matsuoka. But what Yuichi has, and what you see with many of the Asians, especially those that are quite as tall as, say, uh, Potodorn and Shuzo, is speed we 've seen him through the challenges where he at times would lose his focus or lose his concentration he 's really improved that uh, that part of the mental and then of course, spending a lot of time with Kei Nishikori and and being at that level and being on the Davis Cup team and learning how to handle the pressure playing at home in Japan is very difficult, whether it 's corporate games, Davis Cup uh, or ATP there's a lot of pressure on these Japanese guys because of their sponsor deals but but Yuichi has improved his mental, physically he's better, and then, of course, his, uh, his footwork is the big weapon.
1: China, of course, have uh, Zhang Zhe, uh, Wu Di, and uh, Yibing Wu in particular becoming the U.S. Open Junior Boys Singles and Doubles champion. A lot of expectation now on him to break through. Sure.
8: Well, let's go back to Zhang Zhe and, and, and Wu Di. Uh, very good uh, physically uh, gifted players, especially Zhang Zhe. Big serve. But one of the things that hurt them was they got rewarded financially uh, through their province at a young age. And so they basically didn't have to make it on the ATP World Tour. They could stay around 201 and they have a very good life here in China. And I've talked to some of their coaches who felt like very good ability. But the way the system is, it rewarded a little bit of mediocrity. Uh, but we're hoping with the young kid, Yi Bing Wu, that they, they maybe let him see what the work ethic, what it takes, and then also you've got to travel. And they do have a lot of tournaments here, but he needs to get out. It, it wouldn't hurt him to spend time maybe with the Span, Spanish or, you know, that work ethic and competitiveness of fighting that you see from Randy Liu, Hansen Lu. Just never giving up and, and, uh, and hanging in there.
1: Breaking through. With that U.S. Open triumph, as I say, the expectation is just massive here
8: now, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's a good point, and uh, we've discussed this. What happens, uh, Matt, when the expectations go up like that, then you're going to have an increase in pressure. That increase in pressure, is then we'll get a chance to see what, uh, what he's got because winning one time is very good. It's a good sign, but now he's got to back it up, and you just hope that whoever's managing him and putting together his schedule has a good, uh, a good idea of what it takes and, and not just throwing him to the wolves too fast.
0: Robert Davis on Bing Wu. But what about the young man himself? How does the 18-year-old assess his own game?
9: I think I like to play more baseline and I want to go more volleys. I try to fast my rhythm and I try to move my opening move. Yeah.
1: Have you modelled your game on anybody else? Watching as, as a young kid growing up, is there someone that you think,
9: I want to be like him? No, actually, because I I want to like make my style, so I want to catch my my point in tennis. Yeah.
1: You became the first Chinese player to win a U.S.
9: Open junior title uh, in singles and doubles. Just tell us about the experience in New York. That no, was great. At first, I didn't think I can win both. I tried to keep my focus on singles, but day by day, I I think maybe I have chance to win both. And after I win doubles, it's lot of confidence for, for, for me in singles final so yeah
1: how has that experience and what you achieved changed your life
9: i don't think this changed my life but i think it was great moment of my life yeah and i i try to picture my future like i can be better after this good result and mm. i think if i working hard i have chance yeah
1: you started tennis at a very young age. I think you were four when your parents got you involved. What, what
9: are your earliest memories of playing tennis? That was losing weight, I think. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I'm a little bit fatty <laughs> when I'm young. And later I, I got a uh, Zhejiang team. It's like a promise team. Mm-hmm. They, they led me to play like professional tennis. And finally I, I play professional tennis. For me, it's, it's like one of my dreams. Mm-hmm. and I'm on the way, I think.
1: And you were taken out of China at a, at a very young age too to go and I think you went to academies in Spain. Yeah. Uh, so whereabouts did you did you sort of learn your skills on the clay courts in Spain?
9: Uh, actually, I don't really like clay courts, but <laughs> I try to learn and I try to adapt. And my, my coach let me um, practice more on clay because he said it's very useful for junior players and it's nice to working on patience, mm-hmm. working on full work on that. And I, I think... Yeah, if I have chance, I, I will go to Spain again. Yeah.
1: What do you think are the things that you have to do? Uh, is is it a case of being more physical? Uh, do you need yeah. to develop that side of your game? Yeah,
9: I'm I'm trying to work in so hard in the gym because when I play with like when I play in juniors, it's lots of players like don't look like juniors. <laughs> they are so strong, and I feel like my power in baseline is just enough, but in serve and return, that was like big distance.
1: And where did you learn English? Because a lot of Chinese kids your age probably don't speak much English. Was that when you went overseas
9: to, uh, to Spain or yeah. just out on the uh, junior tour? We have like a class for English and sometimes my mom teach me because she has a very nice university. And I try to talk with my foreign coach because I, I'm not shy. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah. So my coach also tell me about in how to learn English, some technique.
1: <laughs> what other uh, interests do you have outside of tennis to get the balance between your work, which is your tennis, and,
9: and your play? Uh, I like music and basketball. Yeah, I, I enjoy to watch NBA. Yeah, that was great. I hear you're a good singer.
1: Can you give, uh, can you give, us, a, can you give us a demonstration here on ATP Tennis Radio? <laughs> what?
9: No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what sort of music do you like? I
9: like
1: Chinese Chinese music.
9: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and NBA, uh, basketball. What's your favorite team? Uh, I, I like Sunder, Sunder team, <laughs> but my favorite player is is Durant. But Kevin Durant. Uh, I'm a little bit,
1: You
0: know, <laughs> confusing.
1: Well, thanks so much for joining us on ATP Tennis Radio, and uh, all the best uh, with the future. We look forward to uh, catching up with you again. Thank you. Thank you. Shay Shay. This is ATP Tennis Radio. Radio.
0: Earlier on we heard from coach Robert Davis, who works to develop tennis right across the continent. Another man immersed in the game throughout Asia is Yuichi Sugita's coach, Brain Aneiros.
10: Thank you first of all for the opportunity. Actually I used to go to Sanremo, to Bob Bread's academy, uh, where Yuichi used to go as well for training. Uh, we used to do pre-season together there, and it was through Bob Red that uh, we started working together.
1: Because, of course, you're from uh, Central America, uh, Panama, but you have spent the last eight years being based in Cambodia.
10: Fascinating story. How did this eventuate? Yes, this is uh, actually a crazy thing coming all the way from Panama to Cambodia. Uh, I was working in Thailand nine years ago and I had the opportunity to meet the Secretary General of the Federation in Cambodia. And uh, he was explaining to me that he was trying to do a project, trying to... Uh, get Tennis Cambodia to a little bit uh, higher level and uh, he was looking for a technical director, national coach to try to improve the level of tennis and to also get tennis to be more popular in Cambodia, not only in the capital but in the provinces as well and um, we agreed to go for a couple of years and try to, to work on this project. I thought it was a good opportunity for me to to learn, to work with the Federation. And uh, it's been a very good project, Uh, and we're very happy with each other, and uh, I've been there for eight years now.
1: What sort of success have you had in terms of growing the game in Cambodia? How many kids are playing?
10: well, that's a very good question, because uh, the most important thing for us is the grassroots there. And, uh, you know, seven, eight years ago, there was not many kids playing, not uh, the programmes in schools and now we've been able to go to five provinces. We have many orphanages, many public schools, and we have now national tournaments with more than 100 kids uh, taking uh, part of the competition. So it's, uh, it's been very very nice to see these kids coming from nowhere to be able to come to tennis courts and, and to play sports. How many courts are there? Uh, it's a very funny question because... It's a country with a lot of people and not many courts. It's probably between 50 and 60 courts in the whole country. This is including hotels and everything. And uh, even with that such a small amount of courts, we've been able to compete with nations like Vietnam or Thailand, our neighbors, where they have uh, hundreds and hundreds of courts. So we are trying to to get more courts, obviously, because... uh, Without course, it's very difficult to to develop uh, the kids. Most of our programmes is in the schools, in the schoolyards or uh, multi-facilities, so not really with tennis courts. Uh, Basically, when the kids get a little bit older, that's when we have the chance to bring them to the tennis courts.
1: And in terms of the accessibility for the kids, because I'd imagine there's not a lot of wealth, and in some countries tennis can be perceived to be a wealthy sport, but in Cambodia, I'd imagine uh, it's not that way
10: yeah it's a it's a bit challenging because as you say there is uh, we have no support from the government at all so it's uh, a little support that we can get from uh, private private companies and uh, basically yeah we have to to run with most of the expenses uh, from the kids we have to find ways to to get the kids uh, coming to practice Uh, very basic things uh, can be a little bit challenging but at the end of the day uh, we're very happy to do this and uh, it's, uh, it's very nice to see the kids, uh, how much joy they have and how happy they are to be on a tennis court. Obviously, coaching Yuichi Sagita,
1: you're spending a lot of your time now out on the ATP World Tour. How much time do you get to spend back in Cambodia working with the grassroots?
10: Yes, uh, I'm uh, travelling with Yuichi, as you say, uh, quite a lot. But uh, every time that I have some time off, I go back to Cambodia. And uh, I probably spent around 20 weeks of the year there, and that's when I tried to, to give uh, my little help and, uh, and try to help the other coaches, the national coaches there, to keep on going with the programs.
1: You mentioned those other countries like Thailand that have more resources, more players, more courts. How much growth
10: have you seen generally in Southeast Asia since you moved there? That's interesting. When I first came, uh, Paradon was uh, just getting out of. Uh, he was still playing a little bit. Paradon Schrissipan. Yes. yes. Paradon Schrissipan. Uh, so it was also the Nayudom show from Thailand. And unfortunately, there haven't been many players to get to that level. Actually, nobody to come inside 300 uh, ATP. But uh, yes, I can see a lot of kids playing in uh, a country like Thailand. I spend a lot of time there because I also work with the Radiwatana brothers. And uh, it's a lot of kids playing. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what's happening from when they have to make uh, the change from juniors to professionals. Uh, something is happening there. I don't know exactly what's, uh, what's the main reason. Maybe a lack of coaches or lack of motivation of the players as well but it's definitely a lot of uh, people playing. Um, I think uh, it's a lot of tournaments now in Southeast Asia. Futures uh, tournaments and challenger tournaments? Yes there are a lot of futures and challengers and uh, so I think this will definitely help uh, the players from the region and hopefully in a couple of years we will see uh, better players from this region.
0: The singles game really hotting up in Asia but of course in doubles they've occupied the game's elite. For a while now. And we finished this week with two of the region's finest, Rohan Bopana and Isam Qureshi, who's been inside the world's top 50 since 2010. Jill Kraber spoke with both of them and started by asking Isam how he's maintained his level for so long.
11: I guess uh, it's all about motivation and uh, being an inspiration back home. Uh, ever since I started playing tennis, uh, it was always my goal uh, to be a role model and a door opener back home from Pakistan. My mother, Nausheen Atisham, uh, was Pakistan number one for 10 years. Uh, my maternal grandfather, Khwaza Iftikhar Ahmed, was all India number one before India and Pakistan got separated. So uh, I had really big names in my family, and I just somehow wanted to fill in the shoes and wanted them to be proud of me. And I turned pro in 98. Uh, I finished uh, my junior career being Asian number one and world number seven. So I felt like tennis was meant for me in a, in a way. And I think it was kind of a tool for me to make my parents and my family proud of me. And that's what kept me going. And the uh, goal was to obviously uh, be the first Pakistani to break all the barriers. Uh, everybody doubted me. Uh, Pakistan is a cricket-playing nation, hockey-playing, squash-playing. We don't have any tennis players. I've been the only one in the last 50 years to play at this level. So I just wanted to be a role model and a door opener. and. Uh, just have the responsibility to make tennis popular in back home. And I think that's what drives me, and I'm still playing uh, at this level after 20 years also.
12: Uh, there's so many amazing things that you've accomplished in, in, in tennis, but to be able to say that you know, you've been such a role model and a mentor to your home country, how has that not only gratified you off the court, but how has that helped you gain perspective on the court as a tennis player as well?
11: I feel like tennis obviously has become my life. Uh, I've learned so many things from tennis. Uh, It has not changed me just as a player, but as a human being as well. And you see and you talk to greats like Roger Federer or Rafa and Andy and all these guys, Novak Djokovic. And uh, the main reason I started my charity also is because seeing these guys, they're doing so much uh, outside the tennis courts. And I thought, uh, and I felt like I'm in a position also to play my role and my part as well. I think uh, you get more responsibilities, especially if you're the first one from your country. Uh, my responsibilities, I don't think, are just f- till tennis. I think I can make a bigger impact in my country, if not in the world. Obviously, I can't compare myself with the, the tennis greats, but uh, in Pakistan, people respect me, they know me, and I can use that uh, to help more people out and get more awareness on the matters that are important uh, in this world. And obviously, tennis helps me that. As long as I keep doing well, Uh, people get to notice me more I get more recognized and it helps me a lot off the court as well and just doing well is not the motivation uh, behind that I'm still playing I feel like tennis has given me that platform and I still have this platform to go in the rest of the world also you know with a positive and uh, peaceful message and that's what I'm trying to use this tennis for as well
12: can you just exp- explain a little bit what exactly your charity is about, what it entails?
11: My charity is called Stop or Start Tennis. Uh, I started it uh, six years ago. Actually it, uh, I was inspired by Esther Vaguer uh, who is obviously a wheelchair champion. Uh, I was uh, very devastated actually the first time I read about her in 2010 at Australian Open. I had no idea about her career in wheelchair tennis because obviously we praise Rafa and Roger's records and everything but her record is unbelievable. So I spoke to the ATP, actually, the guy right here next to me, Nic- uh, Nicola, and uh, he uh, got me meet Esther Viguer, and It was just a very inspirational story for me. And Did I you get to, to hit with her. her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? I got on the wheelchair for the first time in my life. You got in the wheelchair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I played with her. And uh, it was a very inspiring moment for me. And from that moment onwards, uh, with my coach, Robert Davis, we came up with the idea to try to promote wheelchair tennis and especially in countries uh, that have been affected by wars and natural disasters and uh, people who have lost their limbs or legs and they can't play tennis uh, so what I do is I do certain projects in different countries uh, so far I've done five, Afghanistan, Iraq, um, uh, Cambodia this year, last year I went to Rwanda and Uganda as well and uh, focus on players and people that have lost their limbs and legs and give them wheelchairs, tennis equipment to somehow give them inspiration to play tennis so, so far it's been going great. I'm super thankful to the ATP. I've been very fortunate and lucky to get their grant twice. Uh, the first year I did that, they gave me the grant for 10,000. Last year I qualified uh, and they gave me 15,000. Uh, that can help and go a long way, uh, especially my, it was my first trip now to Africa. And uh, you can do so much with 15,000, it's not even uh, normal. So these kind of things help, and I think they motivate me as well to do these things.
12: Well, I, I mean, it's really inspiring you. Know, I mean, you almost got me like teary-eyed yeah, there. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I mean, it's one thing to give to charity and just you know give the money, but to actually go and experience those things and, and get through to these people—that's got to be one of the most rewarding things that you've experienced.
11: Yeah, I'm getting emotional here. But, I know, me uh, too. It's it's, uh, it's a great thing, and I think that's why I said tennis is like a platform. And you go there and you see people still happy and smiling and they don't complain and... Uh, I don't know why i <laughs> right, We'll shift rate. a little bit. Let's yeah, shift yeah. a little bit.
12: Let's shift a little bit to your tennis. And just talking specifically about doubles and, and partners and stuff like that. Like I said, you had... 16 doubles titles and um, you know a lot of doubles is about feeling comfortable with your partner, playing a lot of tournaments together, but five of those doubles t- titles for you came last year all with different partners. What, what, what was the key for you to, in that situation?
11: 2014-2015 I played with a lot of different partners. I had a few injuries and a few setbacks. My ranking dropped so I had to pick and choose which partners I'm going to play with and I actually let their emotions get the better of me too much. And I think uh, I learned more throughout playing with the different partners that I need to focus on myself. I need to play my game the best way I can help them. I shouldn't be worried about these guys too much and uh, just focus on my game and go with a positive attitude and uh, try to make a difference as I can. And uh, luckily I was able to do that at the best year, uh, most titles in my career in a a year. And just learning and building on that, I think communication is the main problem, uh, the main um, uh, tool communicating with your players and doubles partners and patience. You just got to stay patient, let them do their thing and try to do your thing the right way. And if you keep working hard, I think, and stay disciplined, I think results come eventually anyway.
12: Okay, well, I'm delighted to say that I'm being joined by Rohan Bopana from India high number three in the world in doubles and 17 career doubles titles. Rohan, thank you so much for joining us.
13: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure.
12: Now, just focusing on your tennis a little bit, you've, you, you're so experienced, have so many doubles titles to your name. And, but I've noticed, uh, like there's quite a few doubles titles where you've played with a lot of different partners. And sometimes it seems like, you know, it's, if you get a steady partner that tends to work a lot but, but you've been able to get a lot of those titles with different partners how have you been able to accomplish that
13: i think uh, over the years one thing i realized is uh irrespective of whether you're playing with the same partner or different partners is to at the end of the day focus on your game and not really you know bother about uh, you know what else is happening whether your partnership is working or not as long as you are doing the right things i think uh you know it's easier to get along with a partner and you know uh Complement your styles with with someone new, and uh, you know try and adjust. Uh, and I think uh, as a doubles player, when you try and find uh, new partners, you have to be open to adjusting and changing your yourself as a human being. Not only uh, you know because there are players who are extroverts introverts, I mean you know so you, you don 't know what you get I mean you know so when uh, a team is winning everything is everything is good The it's, it's question is when you 're not doing so well and you 're trying to fight hard and keep uh, keep the partnership going and that 's when I think uh, you need to pull uh all the tricks in your bag and uh, you know make that partnership work and sometimes it does work and uh and of course it's like a relationship it needs uh uh i think a lot of communication to make it work and uh I think that has helped uh, me that because I like to uh you know uh communicate with my partners and try and work in whichever way we can uh you know to uh help the partnership uh, grow and uh be successful uh uh you know, I think uh so that over the years has helped me win uh, titles with different partners.
12: And I know um, you've had so much time on the tour, your longevity is something to be very proud of. Um, I'm sure you've been asked the question, do you know how much longer, you probably go, we'd love to see you around for a long time, but do you have an idea of how much longer and what your plans would be after?
13: Uh, there is no actually p- particular timeline as such but uh i feel as long as i'm enjoying it uh you know the sport and travel uh, you got to love the travel and uh, i think that's the most important and being away from home uh, uh is the key and so far you know i've been uh, en- uh, enjoying myself and uh you know i think i play better tennis uh, you know just uh, keeping myself relaxed uh you know it's uh, it's not easy uh, living out of a suitcase for sure and staying away from friends family Having said that, uh, you know, to a couple of years ago, uh, uh, on March 4th, actually, which is my uh, birthday, I opened a tennis academy in India. It's uh, something I always wanted to give back. Uh, you know, this sport has given me so much uh, over the years. And I feel that uh, uh, to giving back and helping these kids, uh, uh, you know, with whatever knowledge I can and uh, try and get the right coaches there to give them the proper uh, training and facilities in whatever capabilities I can do and help them uh, and I one of the reasons I started was when I'm still on the tour was to also inspire some young kids you know maybe it's always I think uh, no matter which country you are if you see a countryman playing I think it inspires you more than you know just watching someone you don't know and then for you know when I go back uh, to Bangalore uh, where my academy is and, I, and I'm i always there uh, you know talking to the kids and giving them whatever advice I can and I feel that uh, gives a sp- little bond to them you know and tomorrow when they uh, you know watch me play also they also when I go back they have a few questions what I did or what I could have done better they all like coaches also <laughs> yeah but it's uh, you know but it's fun and uh, you know I really enjoying uh, to have started this and uh, you know looking forward to uh, you know, hopefully uh, really helping Indian tennis uh, uh, pick up in a big way.
12: Can you give us an idea about how many tournaments you play a year and then in between tournaments how often you're able to get back to your academy um, to inspire the so kids? I'm, uh,
13: I'm on the road pretty much playing about 25-27 tournaments, uh, which is obviously quite a lot. Uh, but having said that, uh, whenever I am back home, it is Bangalore and that's where the academy is. So. Uh, I would say, yeah, of course, I'm not there as much as I would like to be, but uh, uh, obviously my priority is right now to be on the tour and, uh, you know, keep playing. But uh, I'm in touch with all the coaches constantly and what helps me is uh, that when I'm travelling, I can talk to the coaches here in in the ATP circuit, knowing what's happening and what to improve and what kind of drills to really work on with kids, and then maybe pass it over to the coaches also, which I think is a uh, you know bonus. Uh, you know, being being here and I, being able to access t- you know to all the top top level coaches and even the top players to get some advice you know on how it can be done. And uh, me as a person, I like to always I feel learn from everyone, you know. And that's 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 something as as a kid for me is like uh, I feel there's every time in your journey you there is somebody who comes and gives you some advice which you take forward and uh, you know so uh, so uh, like i said i mean uh, just really happy that i've started this and uh, just want uh, indian tennis to really pick up and uh, uh, you know do well i think we have really really a lot of talented young kids out there which uh, when they are 15 16 17 uh, they end up stop playing tennis because there's not really much of support i mean there's not really any support from the federation or uh, corporates or anything so it's obviously tennis being a very expensive sport it's not easy for every parent to you know uh, keep supporting their kids Uh, but uh, right now more than the kids i even talk to the parents just to you know, encourage the kids and support them and guide them in a, in a better way. Uh, I think a lot of the kids in India right now, what they, uh, mostly I, f- I feel that they don't know how to plan a calendar or what tournaments to play and when to play and when to take a break. So those are the few things, you know, which I can, you know, give my advice on of, uh, you know, doing it for so many years and, uh, uh, you know, hopefully help these kids to become, uh, you know, future champions.
0: That is it for this week. Next week, we'll bring you all the reaction to Tokyo and Beijing. Remember, we'll also have live commentary from both of those finals. And we'll also look ahead to the Rolex Shanghai Masters, where we'll bring you live ball-by-ball coverage from first to last every single day. You can listen to that on ATP Tennis Radio, either by clicking listen at the top of atpworldtour.com or through the TuneIn website and app where you can also by the way find this podcast along with the best of our interviews throughout the year in our new exclusives channel if you've enjoyed the podcast pop onto itunes and leave us a review otherwise see you next week enjoy the tennis